You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Congratulate them. If you have your Bibles, open those up to James chapter 1. And we're going to continue in the series that I started last Sunday titled Jesus People. And um, as we kind of have been getting into this subject matter, um, I, last week I talked about who are the Jesus people and what does it mean to be a Jesus person. In Matthew chapter 1, this is the, the angel that came and, and talked to, to um, Joseph, Jesus' father. And he talked about Jesus and what Jesus was going to do, the reason that he was coming to the earth. and said, she, Mary, will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. As we are celebrating with people who are getting baptized today, it's like there's so many wonderful things that happen whenever we begin to follow and submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But that is the crux of everything, is that we were far from God because of our sin, and Jesus came to bring salvation, to rescue us from the thing that was keeping us from God. And every single person on this planet needs Jesus as their Savior. And so we've been talking about what it means to be a Jesus person, and, and Jesus people are the people, and the people who follow Jesus, they really weren't um, perfect people, were they? They were the rejects, they were the outcasts, they were the scoundrels, the prostitutes, the, the liars, and the thieves. And as you begin to look at these Jesus people, it's, it's, it's wonderful to see the heart of God, because Jesus, in Luke chapter 19, he says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, Jesus didn't come for perfect people, he came for people who needed a Savior. That's who the Jesus people are, sinners in need of a Savior, now, that's not where we stay once we become a follower of Christ, is it? It says in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 that he doesn't call us sinners, he doesn't call us thieves, he doesn't call us murderers and liars any longer, but he calls us a chosen people, a royal priesthood, people of his own possession. And so Jesus has never been ashamed to, no matter where you've come from, okay? And I want you to put yourself in this this position today, and think of yourself in these terms. If you are somebody who's encountering Jesus today, it doesn't matter where you've come from. He's come for you. There's all kinds of thoughts of of what we think of that can disqualify us from a relationship with God. But see, that's the thing that Jesus did. He came to solve the disqualification. He came to bridge us and God together, and no matter where you're coming from, Jesus has come for you. Now, last week we talked about different qualities, and that's what we're going to kind of do throughout this entire series. What are the qualities of the Jesus people, right? What are the characteristics? What, what, what does a Jesus person look like? And last week we talked about how Jesus people sacrifice. Jesus calls his people out of their sin, but he calls them to a life of sacrifice. There's never a point in your journey with Jesus where Jesus is going to ask you to stop sacrificing. It's part of what we do in our following of him. And so this week what I want to do is I want to talk about the next characteristic, which is Jesus' people do the stuff. They do the stuff. What's the stuff they do? Well, plainly, they do everything Jesus said to do. That's what the Jesus people do. If you want to become a Jesus person, then there is this characteristic that qualifies us to follow Jesus, and that's obedience. 
to obey his teachings, to conform our lives to his, not the other way around. And so Jesus' people undoubtedly do the stuff that Jesus taught us to do. They, they do the things that he modeled for us. So I want you to look at James chapter 1, and, and in order to kind of jump into this, here's the thing that I want you to see, is that, well, look at verse 19. I'll just jump into this real quick. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus, and so he kind of knows Jesus pretty good. And as a matter of fact, if you'll, remain, if you'll remember James's story, if you've read this in the gospel, James at one point in Jesus' ministry tried to come with his mom and his other siblings and take him back home because they thought, this is what the author of Matthew says, they thought that he was crazy. And so they showed up trying to take Jesus back home and, you know, not, not, not get him murdered by the Pharisees and all those other things. But at some point in James's life, he changed his mind. At some point, see, Mary always knew that Jesus was the Son of God, right? There was no doubt. I'm, I'm sure there was no doubt in her mind. But his siblings kind of, they were, they were late to the party. But at some point, I don't know where that point was, but at some point, James became a believer. He became a Jesus person. And as he's writing this letter, listen to what it says, because he gives us a really great tip on what Jesus' people do. It says, verse 19, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept. Pay attention to those two words real quick. Humbly accept. The word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. I want to just stop for a second, and I want to just pray. And I want to thank God for his word. Jesus, thank you so much. We believe that you are the word of God. And you have distributed your word freely to us. For almost every single person who's here in this room, who's watching online, we have the word of God freely accessible to us. It's on our phones. We have hard copies. It's not illegal here in the United States. So we can anytime in any way dive into your word and we thank you for the access. Lord, would you teach us to humbly accept it? To humble our hearts before your word and to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the first thing. If you want to do the stuff that Jesus taught, you have to humbly accept. In order for the word to be planted inside of me, I have to actually be broadcasting some seed. I am grateful that we have the word of God, but listen, if we never avail ourselves to it, it doesn't do us any good. Are you reading the Word of God? Are you meditating on the Word of God? Do you have a time where you set some, some attention aside? Not just time, but also some attention to where you can quiet your soul, humble yourself, and say, God, would you come speak to me? See, if I never broadcast the Word of God, the seed of God's Word into my life, it's never going to take hold if I don't allow Him to plant it inside of me. But listen, beyond that, in order for the word to be planted, my heart must become receptive. That word accept, humbly accept the word that God has planted, it means to, in the Greek, 
It means to take with the hand. Okay, so I want you to think about that for just a second. And if we're going to take with the hand, we have to receive. Have you ever refused somebody's hospitality? You go to somebody's house and they're like, hey, you want something to drink? You're like, nah, nah, I'm good. Did you allow them to be a hospitable? You're like, what about I didn't really want anything to drink? Have you ever refused somebody's gift? I'll tell you, that's a really quick way to offend a grandma right there. <laughs> Somebody tried to offer you a gift, and you're like, no, 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 you don't have to get me anything. Do you know that from the, from the perspective of the person who's giving, they want to give that to you, and it's honestly rude. Whenever we refuse and we don't take it and receive it, that's what receiving looks like in your mind, okay? To take with the hand, whenever somebody offers you a pamphlet on the street, what do you do? Do you do what I do? And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want that. Keep your flyer. It's just going to land on the trash, right? But if you accept humbly, then you take it into your hand and it now becomes your possession, right? That's the idea that James is trying to get across to the Jesus people. Hey, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to get into this normal rhythm in your relationship with him where you quiet your soul and you say, God, what do you want to say to me? And when he says it, no matter how challenging that is, we take it. We receive it. We allow it to impact our lives. For many of us, the word of God and what James said that has the power to save our souls is being offered, but it is not transforming our lives because we are not accepting it. We're not receiving it. So what is accepting the word of God looks like? I want, I want to make this really practical because that's exactly what James does, okay? So look at the very next verse, verse 22. What does it mean if I'm going to accept the word of God into my life? It says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. See, accepting God's word means listening to him, and doing it. Not just becoming people who listen to the Word of God, and I went to church today, and I listened to the message, and it was really great, but then I went home and I did nothing with it. Accepting the Word of God means that I hear, I open my ears, I set my posture in a place where I'm receiving, but then I actually allow it to take root in my life. I apply it to my day-to-day -day living. I was, you know, this happens in our house um, regularly, especially during the winter months. But one of the ladies in our house will typically ask the question, hey, would you go start my car? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And, and if April comes to me and some morning she's like, hey, Jory, would you go start my car? Now listen, I'm busy in the morning just like you are. A lot of the busy that I'm doing is trying to wake up. But I got my no normal routine. And sometimes this happens as husbands, right, wives? We sit there and we go, yeah, yeah, I'll do that for you. But we never do it. See, if I hear April's request to go start her car, and then I affirm the request, I receive the request, but I never actually go start the car, did anything powerful and transformative happen in our relationship? 
No, it did not. <laughs> Actually, something destructive just happened. Something that alienates us just happened. I wonder what happens in our relationship with Jesus whenever he says, forgive our enemies, and then we refuse. Do you think it might alienate us from the one who's trying to shepherd and lead us? Now, that doesn't mean you're going to go to hell, but it is going to cause some distance, right? Disobedience is a big deal. And I'd say it the other way around to just bring some positive perspective to this. Obedience is a powerful thing. See, the mirror imagery that, that James uses here, it's never resonated with me. I, because I read this and James says, hey, it's like, I don't know if it, it was something in his day that he was like, yeah, people are really going to get this. But it's like, you know, if you listen to God's word, but if you actually don't go do it, it's like if you looked in a mirror and then walked away and forgot what you look like. I don't know about you, but it's like, who forgets what they look like? And the thing that I, I thought about the other day as I was thinking about this illustration all the way over again, because it's never impacted me, it's like, you and I live in a very video-driven world, don't we? You have probably a, a ton of pictures on your phone of you and your family. Well, in James's day and in Jesus's day, they didn't have those. I know I'm pointing out the obvious here, but I, I want you to understand that his idea of a mirror is drastically different than your idea of a mirror. I want you to go to the next slide, if you would, please. This is a first century mirror. It's just a silver plate. And ladies, what you would do in the morning, that probably didn't happen, but what you would do in the morning back then is you would polish that thing up real good, get it as good and shiny as you could, and then you would try to look at your image. Do you feel like that you might get some distorted reflections off of that thing? And what James is saying is, if you listen to God's word, but don't do it, it's like if you go look into this and then walk away and forget what you look like. Now, here's the thing that I think James is trying to point out that maybe we can understand, is that in his day, in the first century, if you wanted to look into a mirror, it required focus. How many times do you walk by a mirror, a mirror in your life in a, just a regular day? You walk by your reflection and you kind of notice it, but you don't even take a second look. We see our reflection all the time, but in his day, if you wanted to use a mirror, you had to actually really look at it. And that's the point. If you want to be a Jesus person who obeys the master, it requires some focus. It requires a little bit of effort. There's some things that Jesus has asked me that I didn't really care for. There's some things he's asked me to do and some, some ways that he's asked me to submit my life and to build my life that I really wasn't on board with at first. And one of the things that I've discovered is that if I will intently, with focus, and like we talked about last week, with a sacrifice, come and say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to endeavor to do it. See what... James says is that if you live your life like that, you're going to unlock something. And that's the blessing of God. Casual glances into God's word will never change our lives. We have to get to a place, if we're going to become Jesus people, where we build our life on the foundation of God's word. 
It's not enough to just raise your hand in a church service and say, yeah, you know what, I want to sign up for this Jesus thing. It becomes this reality for the Jesus people that if this is who he said that I am and that I need to, this is the way that I'm supposed to build my life, then I'm going to endeavor to submit my life, humbly accept what he says is my new reality. Now, here's the thing. Here's three things that I want to kind of go through today. Number one was Jesus people do the stuff. But here's the second part of this. Jesus people do the stuff for the right reason. You know, the question needs to be asked, if you never do any of the stuff, are you really a Jesus person? Now, I know that's hard, but listen, everything that I'm fixing to talk about right now, I just want you to kind of couch in a certain corner of of your mind, okay? I am not talking about you trying to follow Jesus and being a bad follower, because that's a lot of us. You're sold out, you love Jesus, and he's asking things of you, and you keep stumbling and falling into the ditches, right? How many of y'all know that, that style of living? All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us stumble. All of us are, are endeavoring to follow Jesus, and it challenges us in certain ways, and sometimes I'm a better follower than others. That is not what I'm talking about. But if you're here and you say, you know what, I'm a Jesus person, but I, I, you know, I don't go to church. You don't have to go to church to be a Jesus person. You're like, yeah, that's kind of true. You know, I'm a Jesus person, but I don't ever read my Bible. It's, it's kind of one of those deals where I, I just feel like I've, it's been in my life my whole, it's been in my life all the time, and I don't really need to go back through it again. Okay. Yeah, I'm a Jesus person, but I actually never share my faith with anybody. I don't talk about my religion. That's too controversial in this day and age. Now listen, as, as you kind of go through all of the boxes of what makes up a Jesus person, if you never do any of it, are you really committed to him? Now, now that I've got you uncomfortable, I want to read you a couple of passages of Scripture. This is what Jesus taught, okay? This isn't Pastor Jory's opinion. This is what Jesus actually taught the Jesus people, those who followed him. Matthew chapter 28, this is Jesus' great commission. So if you are a Jesus person, this is a direct teaching to you. He says this in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, say this next word with me, observe. That's a big deal. See, Jesus did not say, if you want to follow me, this is what you should do. Go teach, everything, every, teach everybody what I said. That's not what he told us to do. He said, teach people to observe what I taught you. The observation, me applying Jesus' teaching to my life, that's transformation. That's where power is released. As James said, that's whenever the key turns and the lock opens and the blessing of God is poured out into my life. So Jesus, knowing this, he says, hey, listen, whenever you guys go and y'all begin to spread this ministry throughout the world and you begin to tell people the gospel and the good news of who I am and who they can be inside of me, don't forget to teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, this is what it's going to be like on the day of judgment. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. Hmm. 
See, according to Jesus, listening to and applying his teaching is a requirement, not a suggestion. It almost sounds as you listen to Jesus throughout the Gospels that he expects us to take his word and ingest it and make it a part of our lives. Now, now that I've established that, okay, here's the point. Jesus' people do the stuff, but for the right reason. Look at Matthew chapter 6. I was trying to dig down into an uncomfortable subject for just a second just to get the imperative inside of our soul of how important it is for us to obey God. If Jesus is God, it's probably a great idea to obey Him. And not only is it a great idea to obey Him, He actually expects it. See, one of the things that Jesus was never in doubt about was that He is God. He's not insecure about that. It's not a question inside of Him. And so he does not apologetically ask us to obey him. He expects it. In love, in kindness, because that's the character of Christ. But he still expects it. He knows that he's worthy. He knows that, we deserve, that, we, that he is deserving of our praise. And he expects it. But be careful that your observing of his teachings is for the right reasons. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. This is Jesus teaching about doing the stuff. And what is the stuff that he, he taught us to do? He taught us to do all kinds of things. To pray, to fast, to worship, to make a sacrifice, to give, to forgive. He taught so many things about how to, how to yoke ourselves with him and how to live our lives. And in this passage, he's talking about doing the stuff of prayer. And he says this, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that, you, that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, what does it mean to be a hypocrite? Now, I, this is something that I think is interesting because I think people look at this from all kinds of different perspectives, and Jesus taught about being a hypocrite many, many times. And one of the things that's said often is that people don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. People who pretend like one way on Sunday, and then they live a different way all throughout the rest of the week. Yeah, that's definitely one definition and one illustration of what a hypocrite looks like. But listen, the church is full of all kinds of imperfect people. Being a Jesus person does not mean that you've got it all figured out yet. In our process of sanctification, every single one of us is at a different place in our journey. Amen? And because you grabbed a hammer in shop class last week and you smashed your finger and some colorful language came out, does not disqualify you from being a Jesus person, and it does not make you a hypocrite. Whenever you had a custody issue and you, you lost your cool on your ex, that doesn't mean that you're a hypocrite. It means that you are a human who's trying to walk this thing out, right? So what is a hypocrite? Well, according to what Jesus said, and I want you to kind of get this, and, and there's a couple of different illustrations he uses to, to illustrate a hypocrite, but in this instance... Being a hypocrite is someone who does the stuff for the wrong reason. Notice what the hypocrites do in his example. They pray, they do the things that Jesus taught so that other people will see it and think highly of them. And Jesus said, don't do that. 
You want to pray? I'm teaching you to pray. You should pray. You should do all kinds of things, but don't do it so that other people think that you're holy and spiritual and perfect. Do it for your Father. What is the right reason and what is the wrong reason? The reason that I want to do the stuff that Jesus taught is to get a reward from my Father in heaven. Not a reward from man. Now, here's the last thing that I want to show you. Jesus' people who do the stuff for the right reason get results. Are you a results kind of person? Okay, one guy. One, are, are you guys and gals, are y'all results kind of people? Okay, there's, there's more of you. Listen, if there's not a payoff in this, I'm not going to do it. Now, listen, if you're a holy roller and you think that's not godly, you know, there's a lot of people that say, it's like, well, you know, Jesus taught us that we shouldn't do it to get something in return. I want to show you here in just a second, actually, Jesus did not teach that. This may change your theology list just a little bit, but I hope that it inspires you to reach for more in your spiritual life because, listen, you should want a reward. It's not bad. I'll show you this. I want to remind you, first of all, we read this earlier. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. James chapter 1, verse 25. James said this, But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. That word there, bless, it means payoff. It could be a paycheck if you were owed money for labor, but it also means a reward for doing the right thing. And so I want you to kind of think about that for just a second. Is, is this like, if we're not supposed to want anything in return, why does the Word of God keep telling us, do this in a sincere way for the right reason, and there will be a reward? But Jesus taught us we should do things without expecting anything in return. That's actually half true. I want you to read this, this passage with me. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. This is where Jesus actually says this. And the context matters. It actually colors the message of what Jesus is trying to say. It says, but love your enemies. So who is it that is the subject matter here? The people who do you bad. So Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend expecting nothing in return. Okay, so there's the, the full statement. And there's the context. Listen to what he says next. And your reward will be great. See, it just blows that thinking out of the water. If all I'm supposed to do is do this dutiful thing of following Jesus and I don't expect anything in return, listen, you're never going to do it well. See, I want you to understand the promise of heaven is meant to inspire our hearts to follow Jesus more passionately. We are meant to long for a reward. Who we get that reward from really does matter. If you're living your life following Jesus to make everybody else in the room impressed with you, you're doing it for the wrong reason, and there will be no reward. What Jesus said is if you stand in public places and you pray so that everybody else notices, you've gotten your reward. You've gotten your five minutes of fame. But what you should do is do it for the right reasons. Do it in the secret place of your heart, for your Father, and He will reward you openly. I don't know about you, but I want to be rewarded. 
I want to be rewarded by the right person, and that person is God. I want the blessing of God on my life. Now listen, if you want the blessing of God on your life, I've told you exactly how to get it today. Listen to God's word and apply it to your life. See, Jesus taught it this way. He taught in Matthew chapter 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon, he gives this illustration of a wise builder and a foolish builder. And he said, you know, there was a, a foolish man who, who took building construction materials and he built his house on the sand. And there was a storm that came and the storm beat against that house and great was its demise. But there was this wise builder who took these same building materials and he constructed his house on the rock, on the bedrock, on the foundation. And the same storms come, right? Right, Jesus people? We go through the same storms as everybody else does. And it beat against that house, but it withstood everything. Now, this is the thing about Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 7. He says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder. If you want the blessing of God on your life, there's no more powerful way for you to do that than to obey God's word. Now, maybe you're not good at it. Join the club. We all stumble in many different ways. And I'm endeavoring to become more conformed to Christ in every single day that I live. As a matter of fact, whenever I was, um, uh, you know, I got saved whenever I was 18 years old and I, I started going to college. And, and uh, one of the things that I struggled with all my life, only failed two classes all throughout my education. And one, the first one was second grade spelling. I'm still broke up about that. <laughs> and the reason that, that I struggled with spelling is because I struggled with reading. And I've always struggled with reading, and I can remember that as I be kind of, began to kind of look at God's path for my life, and it's like I wanted to go do something as an adult and be successful and all those different things, I knew I had to get better and more disciplined at reading. So I tried to pick up books, and I was like, man, I just can't do it. I hate reading. I hate reading. And one day, I just got, but one of the things that I was doing is I was reading God's Word. Somebody taught me how to read God's Word, and I was finding success in literacy by reading God's Word. And I just kind of got to this place in my education, not in my discipleship, but in my education, where I said, God, you know, I don't know that I'm ever going to be a great reader. But if I'm ever going to do anything with reading, I'm going to make sure that I'm in God's Word. I still, to this day, I don't enjoy sitting down and reading a book. I'll listen to it while I'm driving, and I can get the material, and I'll journal some things. But I have a hard time sitting down and reading. But listen, I know the benefit of reading God's Word. There's a reason that I've overcome that struggle in my life is because I know the reward that's available. April and I have experienced so many different blessings that we do not deserve in our life. In our family, we were disqualified. We shouldn't have a good life. Our sin was in the way. But as we surrendered our life to Jesus and we set our foot on the path of following him and applying the word of God to our lives, making it the bedrock that we built everything on, the blessings of God have continued to be unlocked over and over and over again. If you would stand with me this morning. If you need communion elements, if you'll just raise your hand, we're going to receive communion together. <laughs>
Thank you. Jesus' people do the stuff. And one of the things that Jesus promised, he said that he's come to give you life and to give it to the overflow. See, this abundant Zoe life that Jesus has come to provide for you and for me by taking our sin on the cross and becoming the, the, the offering, the sacrifice that mends everything. As Jesus makes that way, that life is available now to you and I. Now, as we take these communion elements today, and, and the worship team is going to lead us in worship this morning, here's the thing that I'd like to, to extend to you. If you're here today and you want to see the reward of God on your life, then you need to do the stuff for the right reason. And whenever you do that, you'll see results. And I just feel like as I was praying this morning, there's some folks who are here today that you know that you have been doing this at, at other times in your life, but right now there's a lot of distance between you and the Father. I just want to extend an opportunity to you today that today's a great day to set your foot on the path that God has for you again. Today's a great day. If you have been a Jesus person in the past and it's kind of like other things have has distracted you and taken your focus and you've gone a different way, and today the Lord is tugging on your heart. It's like, become a Jesus person again. Get close to me. This is what the promise of James says. It says, those who draw near to God, he draws near to them. If you'll take a step towards him, he'll take a step towards you. You're not disqualified from having a relationship with Jesus. You're an imperfect person probably. You've made some mistakes probably. Maybe you've been even a little bit rebellious. But listen, Jesus came for imperfect people. He came for every single person within the sound of my voice right now. And so, Father God, we come to you today and we receive these elements and we acknowledge that Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life, and we want life. So would you help us, God, do the stuff and do the stuff for the right reasons so that your rewards, your blessing will be released in our life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.